0: Daniel Janine, we are back with the Eater Upsell.
1: Amanda Clute, I can't wait for today's show. Uh, Wait, who are we? We are... uh,
0: I'm Amanda Clute, editor-in-chief of Eater.
1: Daniel Janine, producer. We host this show called the Eater Upsell.
0: Every week on the show, we talk about the week's most interesting food stories.
1: What's really grabbing our attention. We separate them with the sound of a bell like this. And... Then you're out the door.
0: Yeah, we got a bunch of stories this week. We're gonna talk about Pride, which is coming up, and how brands are screwing up. Uh, What else we talking about? Or doing well. Or doing well. How how to do it? How to do? How to do Pride well? Right.
1: Yep. Sure. Uh, We've got a big sushi opening coming Mm -hmm. out of Toronto, and uh, there's (laughs) there's There's a new
0: podcast from Goop.
1: There's a new podcast from Goop covering Amanda's favorite thing: some pseudoscience, Uh or maybe not.
0: Speaking of pseudoscience, we're gonna talk about celery juice and so much more.
1: Yeah, we are all today on the Eater Upsell, but first, if you enjoy this program, would you mind very much uh, subscribing to it on the pod pla- pod, blah, 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 podcast platform that you are using, hitting it with some stars, and sending us emails, uh, love and hate, mm-hmm. to upsell at eater.com. Send us some weird things that you want us to talk about, and we will Yeah, any them. weird
0: restaurant stories. Um, before we get into the show, though, Daniel,
1: uh-huh.
0: I have something I want to tell you. Okay. I found out this week- that my parents found the show. What? Yeah.
1: They weren't on it before?
0: I never told them about it.
1: What they how'd they find it? Your newsletter? Maybe or something? my newsletter. Had they listened to it?
0: They I think this was their first time. Last week's? Yeah.
1: Rot Row, what'd they think?
0: They were joking about olive oil. Oh,
1: <laughs> no comment.
0: <laughs> uh so
1: Say. No more, them. no
0: more swearing from me. That's all I have to say. Really? That's it for you? Yeah. No more. Why don't no you give more. give them a shout out? Hey mom and dad. Hey Pat and Steve. Hey. I also heard that your mom is no longer listening.
1: Well, let's leave this little Easter egg out there for her let's and see. see if it's true. Let's see. I have if a feeling the that she the is three no parents, longer listening. parents yeah. respond because uh, I've mentioned her a couple times and she hasn't texted me because she usually <laughs> sends me long texts <laughs> when I mention her in any capacity.
0: Florence, if you're out there listening, <laughs> give us an email. She's not gonna like text, public her, attention, text but your son. That's
1: okay, uh, let's get into stories.
0: Okay, Daniel, I want to tell you about a story that I think you're going to enjoy quite a bit.
1: The look on your face leads me to believe that this is a health-related story. <laughs> it that is. I'm going to. What do you think? For, I'm gonna, well, okay, I just anyway, want to. I want to set
0: it up for <laughs> listeners who that do not know, new listeners. Yeah, because we've got plenty. Oh yeah, uh, welcome. On the spectrum of healthiness and believing in new health trends or fads. Daniel and I are opposed. We are. You are much more (laughs) open-minded That's generous. than I am. I'm much more cynical. Uh, So keep that in mind as we go into the next story, which is about the run on celery. Yeah. Celery right now, this is this is a story from the Los Angeles Times, but I believe it applies to more cities, because I've heard just anecdotally, it applies in New York oh, as man. well.
1: I really hope this is about the, celery juice, because I've got
0: thoughts. It is about celery juice. The sales of celery at Erewhon Market, which is this organic market in Los Angeles, are up 300% since January, and 200% at Gelson's, mm-hmm. and sales have doubled at Lassen's. Trader Joe's would not comment, but... They've said sales are up. They're not down. They are not down.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: the average retail price for celery in Los Angeles—this is just like across the entire city, not just gourmet markets—up more than thirty percent. So the prices are up and the sales are up. That's the whole story. Well, you gotta ask why. I mean, I know you know you have some ideas okay, but go, ask yeah, why, me why. Why? Why? Sorry. Why? Because. People believe that celery juice cures all their ailments because there is a man who you are probably familiar with called the medical medium who has told them this in books that have been endorsed by celebrities like Gwyneth Paltrow and her site Goop and also Kim Kardashian, Robert De Niro, a bunch of celebrities. De Niro? De Niro. Hey, the celery juice. Yeah, celery juice. The medical Uh, medium is not a doctor... But he gets his medical advice from a spirit that visits him, hence medical medium. Tell me your thoughts.
1: This is showing me that I'm a little bit removed from this world. I think four years ago I would have known. I would have been like, oh, yeah, the medical medium.
0: Totally follow that guy. Bought all his books.
1: Yeah, listen to his pot all the time. I got to say, even when when juice cleanses first started, Mm Juice cleanses were the most ridiculous thing in the world. I'm going to start with celery juice, and then we'll see if I can entertain you into my juice cleanse rant. Okay. But celery juice, if you want to tell me that you can drink water or you can drink celery juice, which is effectively water with a slightly higher nutrient content, and you had infinite money and didn't care about destroying celery stalks all over the planet, I'd be like, okay, go for the celery juice because it's marginally better for you. It is going to uh, fill your body's quota stocks for whatever. Or something. With something. Something a little bit more than water. And it is it the t- same. T-
0: tastes bad.
1: Right. Okay. Because that's the whole thing with juice. Juice shouldn't taste good. If you're drinking a juice and you're like, oh, this is a good juice, that juice is shit for you, and the sugar, <laughs> the sugar. content in it is completely wiping away any benefit that you could possibly be getting from the greens. Well, can
0: I tell you how the celery juice uh, cures your ailments? Sure. Okay. I you would have love – actually,
1: there is nothing I want to know more.
0: You have to follow his recipe exactly as he prescribes it. Just what the article says, 16 ounces of pure organic celery juice every morning on an empty stomach. So that's the recipe. Uh, the process, he claims, activates as of yet undiscovered, quote, sodium cluster salts that destroy inflammation causing pathogens in the body. Not a doctor invented a thing. <laughs> Can I play you uh, a clip from Extra where Mario Lopez is interviewing the guy? Sure.
1: Absolutely. And- yes. Oh my. For more
2: than 20 years, he's helped thousands recover and heal from illnesses <laughs> they never knew they even had. Stars like Gwyneth Paltrow, Robert De Niro, and Naomi Campbell are big fans. Mm. You've been
1: described as a medical medium. Since the age of four, I woke up one morning, heard a voice perfectly clear, and that voice tells me what's going inside the body. So what's happening? You know, are you sick? Is there a mysterious illness? And it comes nonstop like that. Wait, and what? so, yeah, so that's how At it four? works. Telling his grandmother she had lung cancer, doctors later confirming it. Anthony gets what he calls advanced medical information from this spirit. You've gotta be like the only, me- I've never heard of another medical I am the medium. only
2: medical medium. You're the only
1: medical yes, medium? Yes, wow. yes. Wow. How does he know he's the only medical? a doctor by trade or doctor? Doctor? No, no, Maybe. i health <laughs> doctor.
0: Listen, he asks, are you a doctor by trade? Are you also trade? a doctor
1: by trade or no? no? No, no. I help doctors. You help doctors, <laughs> yep. I help doctors find things wrong with people. Real answers. Kind of like those mediums that help the police. Exactly. To get back to the difference between our in our opinions between these things, I think there is some good in this world, but this kind of stuff just destroys it. I know I can never. I'm never going to be able to get you to take more supplements because I'm. If I'm ever like, "Hey, Amanda, you should up your vitamin C uh, intake," I'm going to call gonna be you like, the medical medium. <laughs> you're going to call on. me the medical medium.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. Did I, a ghost tell you that, Daniel? <laughs> Daniel, next week it's June. Sure tomorrow, is. tomorrow. That means it's Pride coming up. So we brought on our social media manager, Adam Musa, to talk about pride and how brands handle pride. Yes, thank you. Welcome. I'm very
2: proud to be here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so tell us, what what do brands do wrong? It
2: really starts with like just sort of slapping a rainbow at anywhere they possibly can. Um, and that's the thing that I guess most brands are guilty of in June. They stick a rainbow on something or restaurants put out a rainbow-colored food and... Uh, they say, we're so, you know, we're, we, we stand in solidarity with pride and that's that's it. Mm-hmm. There's no engagement with what this month is actually about. The fact that, um, you know, we have unequal laws in this country and we have um, across the world uh, being a queer person uh, can literally kill you uh, in countries that want to, that have like either criminalized sexuality or, you uh, or have like the death penalty for uh, sex with a person of the same sex. Um,
0: right. So, uh, so Pride Month isn't just about putting out your rainbow flag or making a rainbow cupcake and saying like we stand in solidarity with you. You need to actually go the extra mile.
2: Yeah, because it's it's a marketing thing mm-hmm. all, all up. Uh, when you're putting out, when you're doing a Pride like rainbow type thing and you're putting out a press release about that, you are marketing yourself as like an ally as mm-hmm. a business. And if you're not backing that up by actually giving a percentage of whatever you're uh, running your pride special on or uh, by supporting the queer community in some way, then what's the point? You're, Mm -hmm. You're basically just doing it for yourself, not for anybody else.
1: Would you say, though, that it's a net neutral or a net negative when you see a brand slap a rainbow on one of their products and not otherwise engage with the
2: community? I mean that's a tough one because there are so many people who are just who want to say oh I'm I'm grateful that you know we have this kind of representation I'm grateful that we have mm-hmm. brands engaging with us and it really depends on where you sit on the political spectrum um if you're like a pissed off queer like me you'd be like that's not enough you need to do more and you you have the capacity to do more and choosing not to and to just be like yay rainbows pride is terrible like one of the things that and this is something everybody should be on the lookout for like in the course of of June with brands doing this sort of stuff so many of them just say pride or some variation of that brands pointedly don't say queer, they don't say LGBTQ, they don't say say gay transgender, lesbian, they don't say any of these words they say pride and in in doing that, in omitting those words it's like Mm -hmm. you're sanitising this you're you're trying to make it more palatable pride is uh, a very wonderful, acceptable thing for people but like when we talk about Pride, we're talking about like the ability for, for two men to kiss in public, and so many still don't feel safe to do that.
0: So what's an example of uh, someone that's doing it right, or who did it right last year when you were looking at this?
2: So I, I mean, I complained mercilessly on Eden, New York last mm-hmm. year about Bouchon Bakery, um, who were selling <laughs> uh, their rainbow layer cake, mm-hmm. um, which is very pretty, um, and they had big signs outside the store that was like, Pride, rainbow cake. Zero dollars from any of these <laughs> rainbow cakes were going <laughs> to any queer organization. Thomas Keller's restaurant group. Shake Shack did uh, a pride thing last year. Uh, they sold a shake for $5.99, and a dollar from each shake goes to the Trevor Project. I personally, as like, again, someone who's like more, 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 I would have liked to have seen more than a dollar mm-hmm. go to it, like... If the company's labor and their materials and everything—if that's their donation—and the rest of the proceeds go to uh, the brand uh, to charity, mm-hmm. that would make me very happy. Um, I know that's not always realistic, especially when we talk about <clears throat> smaller food brands doing it. Um,
0: but at least something. Like, yeah,
2: at least something connect
0: it's, some dollars to this. And it's,
2: but when I say something, it's got to be more than five percent. Like when mm-hmm. I see brands being like five percent of this uh, of the of the proceeds from this go yeah. to charity. It's like that is that's that's pocket change. That's ridiculous. That's not you you're not sticking your neck out. You're not really doing any allyship and again, when I talk about this stuff, there are there are a lot of dissenting voices in the queer community who would say that I'm being ungrateful, that I am being unreasonable to, you know, demand more all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel fine about demanding more because somebody's got to do it. <laughs> it's a it's a very frustrating thing. So I when I would encourage anybody when they see this stuff this month, in this coming Pride Month, to just look a little bit closer. Is it just a rainbow or are they actually doing something positive for the community? And if if they are, are they doing more than just the bare, bare minimum of that?
1: Uh, what'd you think about the LGBTQ sandwich? Uh, and what that? Is there's,
2: it? there's been a few of these. Marks I think Marks and Spencer mm-hmm. in 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 England did one. Um, and then I saw a sign for another one. So <laughs> yeah. this and that that was lettuce bacon uh, tomato, wait, oh. uh, lettuce, guacamole, uh, tomato, bacon, queso. Queso. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> I I love
0: creative with the queso. Look, if the sandwich right, is coming like out
2: as queer, I support the sandwich mm-hmm. and its <laughs> a journey. Um, from that sign, I don't recall seeing any like X dollars will mm-hmm. go to charity mm-hmm. for this, and again, useless.
0: Are there other gay sandwiches? Or is it uh, just Marks and Spencer.
2: I think many sandwiches are canonically gay, but this is <laughs> this is a whole other uh, topic of conversation.
0: We'll for have us another to go episode down dedicated to which to sandwiches, gay, gay are sandwiches
2: are
1: gay. Next up, I thought it was uh, it was a good time to check in with our friends over at Goop. Uh, would you tell the people what Goop is for those who don't know?
0: It is Gwyneth Paltrow's lifestyle site. Yeah, filled with pseudoscience and. Alleged. No, not alleged. <laughs> Actual <laughs> pseudoscience and um, misinformation.
1: Uh, and a lot of food stuff.
0: Sure, yeah. And like G- Gwyneth's food recommendations, yeah. which are always fun.
1: Um, anyway, they launched a podcast. Cool. Hosted by... Did I
0: describe it wrong? How would you describe it? What's goop, according to Daniel Janine?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I mean, I always have the cynical take, so I want to hear your...
1: I think they... Uh, are not critical enough. Mm-hmm. But with things like, you know, healthy active living and meditation stuff, I think she's trying to make some of that stuff a little like cooler. Okay. They do support a lot of uh, extremely woo woo food and uh, otherwise health products mm-hmm. that uh, are damaging to the reputation of the overall brand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Is that more measured? Sure. Take. Anyway, they launched a new food, uh, a new podcast called Goop Fellas.
0: Goop Fellas. Yep. Is it about the mafia?
1: (laughs) Nope. It's two dudes.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, fellas. Fellas. Two guys who believe in. Two guys
1: who have been gooped.
0: Mysticism. Two Uh, guys who have been gooped.
1: Who? Yeah. And doing like
0: B twelve shots.
1: There's nothing wrong with the B (laughs) twelve shots. (laughs) You're gonna comment. No, come at I don't. I don't make.
0: But I don't think B12 shots are wrong. It's fine. I was, <laughs> I just thought it was funny when uh, my friend went to the in Goop Health conference. Mm-hmm. She sent me a picture of like all the people in line to get B12 shots. Yeah,
1: the I want to go to their bad pun generator uh, <laughs> section of that. Anyway, Goop fellas, I thought you'd appreciate that they it was a novel thing to give these two kind of dudes a podcast. Um, it is Will Cole, who is a functional medical practitioner. And what does that mean? <laughs> oh boy, here we go. <laughs> no,
0: what does that mean functional medical pra- practitioner? He, he's he a doctor? He's a doctor. Okay.
1: And he uh is you know, to put it simply, it's similar to an integrative medicine practice. It's what your boy Rocco De Spirito mm. was all about. Mm-hmm. Basically a rejection of some of the norms of the contemporary uh contemporary medicine and just the way I but like with to a think medical it. degree with a medical degree
0: all right so it's a podcast with, a, with, a, Mullen, with a real chef doctor Mullen. And she, and <laughs> <Chef Sheamus Mullen? laughs> yeah all right let's hear it
1: so here is the trailer for it chef
0: Seamus Mullen is a talented chef
1: and a, a supporter of goop
0: yeah You're playing me the trailer? I'm playing
1: you uh, 30 seconds in on the trailer. Okay.
2: So, Seamus, what's the goopiest thing you've ever done? (laughs) Good, the goopiest thing. You know, I have to say, I just recently got back from Bali and I did this really weird, bizarre sound bath thingy where I laid on a waterbed in a pyramid and some crazy (laughs) Estonian guy bounced around the room playing didgeridoo and gongs and there was a light show and all this woo woo stuff. it's <laughs> pretty freaking amazing. I actually like totally tripped out. So I don't know. What about you? Poop pills? I actually have done that too. In Bali. Oh, you've done it? <laughs> no, okay. No, I was going to say. <laughs> my job is talking about poop transplants and uh, <laughs> parasite therapy. So I live poop. <laughs> Literally like putting worms into your gut. Oh my God. Well, on Goop, fellas, we'll be talking with, uh, we'll talk a little bit about poop pills, I'm sure, but we're going to talk with chefs and athletes and actors.
1: And anyway, host is that enough?
0: Yeah. People. I um, like how self-aware they are.
1: They're a little bit self aware, right? No,
0: they're very self aware. Yeah. Because in this in this trailer, goopiest means mm-hmm. yeah. like silliest, right. like most out there thing you've done.
1: Right. So yeah, no, I, I do I actually thought you might appreciate mm-hmm. that they uh that they get it a little bit. Like something they that's
0: they hundred percent get it.
1: Minorly but they're game. But they're obviously also goopers. Yeah. They're hardcore goopers. Yeah. Uh any chance you check out this pod?
0: Oh, I guess I, I, feel I, like I might a, listen to an episode, sure.
1: You get a kick out of didgeridoos and stuff, right?
0: Uh, and I mean, I have nothing against the didgeridoo. As would I want to do the sound bath where you're on a pyramid and there's an Estonian person running around with a didgeridoo? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so.
1: Are you a try Would you try it once?
0: Maybe, but there's only so many hours in a day. So <laughs> I would probably rather Like, get a massage if that was one of the options at the place where they do this.
1: (laughs) No, I don't think that's one of the options here. I think you're on the mountain and it's like, hey, what do you feel like doing today? And it's like, you got one choice, and that is a didgeridoo sound. Do
0: I have a book with me?
1: Uh, Yeah. Could I just go read the book? (laughs) Music meditations. (laughs) Could
0: I just go sit, look at the mountain?
1: (laughs) If Gwyneth was going to be
0: on this show, what would you want to ask her? We should. I would love to have her on the show. Yeah. I would just ask her restaurant shit. Like, and business stuff, and she has these successful cookbooks. You wouldn't- She's a charming actress.
1: Yeah, she's probably lovely.
0: I would not hit her with hard questions about the damage she's doing with um, the fake medical advice. <laughs> you would no. not? No. I'm not that good of a journalist, no. <laughs> what would you be like, let's
3: be friends! <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah,
1: sure I'll go to the Himalayans with you and- uh...
0: I'd be like, I go to a sound bath, right. I hear this thing with the like, <laughs> dish <reduced." laughs> Daniel, there is a new podcast out there that I feel like our listeners should know about. It is called Drilled. It's actually not new. This is their second season, but I feel like this is the season that our audience would care about because it's about crabs. Uh, So we have on the host of the podcast, uh, Amy Westervelt. Amy, welcome to the upsell. Thank you. Thanks for having me. There's a lot going on in here, but mostly the focus is about the, the crabbing industry suing Big oil because of climate change. Is that right?
3: Right, right. Yeah, they're the first industry to sue the fossil fuel companies. Actually, so it's kind of a big deal, and they're um, they're suing over the oil company's impact on you know their contribution to climate change, and then also their efforts to kind of misinform the public and influence regulations in their favor and all of those kinds of things.
0: Can you talk a little bit about how climate change is affecting the crab fishermen? uh, And the ones you're focusing on are out on the west coast of California, right? Or the coast of California.
3: Right. Yeah. They're the Dungeness crab fishery. And um, it's been really interesting. They, um, you know, they're like a super sustainable fishery. They're one of the most sustainable fisheries in the country. So they um have all these rules that they have worked through to make sure that um they're not overfishing. They're always tossing back females and small males, all that kind of stuff. So it's particularly rough that like despite all that they're being um <laughs> kind of pinched by climate change. So what's happening in their case is that as the oceans have been warming, um there's been a spike in a particular type of algae off of the, the West Coast, and that algae releases a neurotoxin. <laughs> so anyway, what's happening with them is that um, they have to test for this neurotoxin before the opening of every season. And if the the crabs have too high of a level of it, then they can't open the season. And since 2015, it's been three out of, out of the last four seasons have been delayed because of this acid. In 2015, it was delayed by like four or five months. So oh, they no. lost, yeah, like millions of dollars. And they missed, you know, I didn't actually know this until I started working on this story that apparently crab is like a big deal for Thanksgiving in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, big time. Which I didn't know. I didn't know that. Um. So anyway, they missed. Wait, their, why, why their, is that? I guess it aligns with the season. Um, so, yeah, usually the season opens in, early, in like early to mid-November. Um, and so Thanksgiving is like the first big haul of crabs. And I guess that's why it started. But anyway, so they missed that. Then they missed their Christmas and New Year's markets. And, um, yeah, so they had a bunch of issues um, that season. And those issues have continued. And then it's also there's like this kind of um, – domino thing that's happened too where the warming oceans have also impacted um the whole kind of marine food web. So, you know, the krill that whales usually eat are scarcer and scarcer, and they're also moving to different locations on the coast. So whales are eating more anchovies, that's bringing them into contact with more crab gear. So actually, these guys have, have found themselves, as they're suing the oil companies, They're being sued by environmental groups over whales getting entangled in their crab gear. So they're really, they're like, they're really on the ropes, I feel for these
0: guys. (laughs) And what if, if you're a crab fisherman and you get delayed four months, what are you
3: supposed to do? Why do you fish instead? Well, exactly. It sucks. I mean, most of them have more than one license, so they'll they'll fish. Uh, black cod is a popular one, rock cod, sometimes shrimp, but, um, black cod is the only one that's kind of all year round. The rest are also seasonal. So if you miss the one season, first of all, like, um, A lot of them have – the captains are kind of okay because they, you know, they own their boats and they have some amount of assets. The deckhands really only get paid if they're out fishing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them are kind of just, like, waiting around for the season to start and, like, picking up odd jobs here and there. And, yeah. And then – it's like deadly but then as then it catch, has, but more it totally is. It's really stressful. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then also, like if the season's delayed a bunch, that me- that has impacts on like your other two seasons that year too. So yeah. like, you're gonna be late salmon fishing, or you know you might lose one of your other seasons in that year too. So there are all these kind of dominoes that fall.
1: So how is the lawsuit going?
3: It's kind of, um, it's a little bit stalled right now. They're waiting for uh, the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco to decide on a jurisdictional issue in another case. Um, So a lot of these, there's a whole bunch of these um, what's called climate liability cases that are in the courts right now. Um, They're basically using like product liability law and tort law to try to say that basically oil companies knew that their, their product had this Potential impact, and that their failure to warn people about it constitutes a um, a nuisance, basically. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, they're most they've mostly been filed in state court, mm-hmm. um, and the oil companies have argued that these are federal issues. So mm-hmm. that is a a whole thing that the courts are grappling with right now, and there should be a decision on that this year, and that will have a big impact on kind of what direction the the crabber suit goes in.
0: Well, this is a super fascinating story. Thank you for- get your crabs while you for can. For reporting no. it <laughs> out. Yeah, eat your dungeonous crabs while you can because it's all <laughs> it's all going away. Uh, yeah. And ev- all Eater Upsell listeners can hear the story on Drilled. I don't know, wherever you get
3: your podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. We've been doing a fair amount of uh, impossible meat content sure. on this show. love it. Can't uh, get enough. This is the fake meat beef- Meat replacement that is sweeping the nation. You uh-huh. got Impossible. You got Beyond. You got a lot of major fast food chains developing their own.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's one of the biggest stories this year, I would say. How just how hugely successful it's gotten. Uh, Arby's major chain slogan: mm. "We have the meats." Uh, there was a story in a plant in a veg veg news. Um, Veg News is the name of the site? Veg News. Okay. Titled, Arby's Looks to Add Plant-Based Impossible Meat to Menu. And Arby's came out and commented saying, contrary to reports this week, Arby's is not one of the restaurant companies interested in working with Impossible Foods. The chances we will bring plant-based menu items to our restaurant now or in the future are absolutely impossible.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Uh, this is just dumb for me. I don't know why they had to. Say, I don't know why they had to say anything. I think they're trying to go a little like rah rah. We're a meat company. Like yeah. don't confuse. Don't us. screw
0: with our meat. We yeah. love meat.
1: Yeah, like we're never we gonna turn on you. We love the flesh
0: of animals.
1: We will. Yeah, we're gonna drive pickup trucks and serve you slabs of factory farmed bullshit uh, for the remainder of our lives.
0: I wonder though, does their demographic care? Like, would their demographic, if they had a fake meat sandwich, be like, oh, they've gone soft. How dare they?
3: <laughs> like, I could who? see,
1: well, listen, I, I think I'm going to extrapolate a lot based on very little, but I could see them standing strong with the farmers or whatever, like the farmer's burger oh, chain or I something. I see, I see. The farmer's fast food chain.
0: The The actual meat suppliers and makers.
1: Yeah, like maybe it's a good populist business move for them to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to really you know stand with rustic rural America. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I mean, you got to imagine that a fair amount of uh, they considered this statement a little bit, or, or maybe they're just like Papa John's and they just freewheeling up at the top.
0: I'm sure they considered it. I'm sure they.
1: Here's a prediction for you. Yeah. I bet one of the companies, maybe it won't be one of the big guys, the big dogs. But someone's gonna do uh, an impossible beef stack to do both of them in one sandwich. I think that would be kind of a fun, a fun move.
0: One of the big chains,
1: sure, like oh. Taco Bell, to do like or not Taco Bell. Taco Bell is the right mindset for it, but maybe it'll be like maybe it'll be like a Bear Burger or like one of the local ish.
0: I don't know burger chains. To no call one, it the, no one wants that. Call though. it the
1: 2019 burger that's not like, or something. That's
0: not exciting for anyone. You wouldn't.
1: I would. I think that there is a fun uh, irreverence built into having both patties and a burger that I would be. I would probably. Why order. don't
0: you just do it? Where am I gonna re- do it? Report back. Where am
1: I do it at home? <laughs> yeah. And then let you know. Yeah. <laughs> will it make you guarantee that if I do it, we will have to talk about it on the show? <laughs> yes. We won't edit it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think there are any like fast food customers really craving. A one bite double <laughs> double fake meat situation.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Do you think I mean one patty of Beyond, one patty of Impossible? Yeah. No, 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 what no. What are you saying? I'm saying one patty of real beef.
0: Oh, one patty of Impossible. Ew.
1: A Beyond Impossible stack is kind of funny as well, but I think that would be only <laughs> funny for us. I'm saying the cream of the crop, you know, the leading horse of the fake meat industry, Impossible, with the slab of Grade A American Angus, whatever, you know, just forged together. The best, the pillars of civilization together in one bun. Not sold. I know you're not sold, but <laughs> it don't it doesn't it make you feel something? No.
0: No, it just sounds dumb.
1: <laughs> Amanda, out of my hometown of Toronto, there is a big new sushi opening. And there was a piece, a chef named Masaki Saito, previously of Sushi Ginza Onadera. In New York, is moving to Toronto to open a, a omakase, an omakase experience in Yorkville, which is a fancy part of town, for four or five hundred dollars a pop, Canadian dollars. So,
0: I think there are three interesting components to the story that we should break down. Okay, you ready?
1: I'm so ready.
0: One, five hundred Canadian dollars is.
1: ish.
0: How is that in the spectrum of
1: two, pl- two dinners? plus, two x? Or more.
0: So this is twice as expensive as any other high-end dining experience in Toronto.
1: Yeah, it's absurd to the point where, when I told my brother that it was probably going to be really expensive, he was like, he didn't even believe me. He was like, "There's no way it'll be more than two fifty. It's not possible. They wouldn't go that not high."
0: Not possible. Not it possible. It is possible.
1: It is because they did Mr. it, Mr. Janine, Mr. Young, Mr. Janine, Young
0: Janine. It is possible. Second thing we should discuss is. How this restaurant came to be, which is there's a Chinese billionaire in Canada. Can you tell me what he does? does he make William can- Chang he runs, runs an international
1: candles? candle empire. Candle.
0: candle empire. Loves sushi. It's his hobby. It's his hobby. Has eaten all over the place. Ate at the chef's former place in New York a lot. Used to wine and dine him. Took him around the world to convince him to come to Toronto and open a place. He's funding this with all of his own money. Putting two and mil- a half
1: two and a half million
0: two and a half million dollars Says to build this custom place doesn't expect to make a profit. Doesn't expect to make a profit. Just wants to be the patron for this artist yep. making the best sushi in the world.
1: It, it seems like uh, I don't even hate this, but it seems like he just wants to make a clubhouse. Like yeah, I kind of get it. If you had that much money, clubhouses are cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, what what better way to flex your dollars than just picking out your favorite chef and having them basically work for you? It's the ultimate and your, flex, and your friends, and your friends, because it's better than having a private sushi chef. Because a, they wouldn't do it, but b, you can like have people go there.
1: Yeah, you can send your clients. Yeah, you can be like, oh, on Friday, I don't want you guys to take any uh, customers. I'm just going to rent the whole place out for the night.
0: But then you can only bring like ten people. Ten people. <laughs> so they're only gonna serve like twenty people a night. So super crazy story. Not. It's not as, out of the realm. Not, not not as crazy as you would think, since there are so many super wealthy people now, and you see this happening in Silicon Valley. I think you see this a little bit in mm-hmm, New York, mm-hmm. places where there is a massive amount of wealth. People will do stuff like this.
1: Because food is cool now.
0: Food is cool, and people love being able to like get VIP treatment at a restaurant.
1: Sushi's a good trophy.
0: Mm-hmm. Third thing to unpack is the sushi chef is kind of a creep. Yeah. So there was this big profile in Toronto Life by Chris Nuttall Smith, big food writer there. Uh, It was an opening profile where he followed him around for a couple days. He talked about why his type of sushi is very special. He talked about the billionaire. He talked about how he drops $10,000, the chef does, at designer luxury stores. and At the
1: Louis Vuitton store, Louis Vuitton where he dropped 10000 on a black leather weekend bag, an embossed logo blazer, and a pair of pants.
0: In the profile, he talks about all the different sushi dishes he's working on, talks about why his sushi method is different than everyone else's, talks about the billionaire, and how he's building a special place for him, and then woven throughout are all these weird comments he makes to basically any woman that crosses his path. So, his own internal team, he's hitting on them constantly, he has a PR person and a manager with him, but also the woman at the Louis Vuitton store where they go shopping, female customers, people he like sees on the street.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, what yeah. do you think? Well. <laughs>
1: I'm curious to get your take. Immediately, I just can't imagine how the PR people would be this dumb. I know. I feel like, Like, what did they do that was good, you know? Mm -hmm. They have one job. Because, you know, I deal with PR people on set quite a bit for video stuff. Right. And all they're worried about, they're worried about two things. They want the place to look clean. They don't want us to shoot trash cans and stuff. Yeah. They want the kitchens to look immaculate, and they just want to make sure that the chefs don't say anything dumb and something dumb can be like uh if we're shooting at burger king or something they don't want the chef to shit on mcdonald's right but something else yeah
0: keeping your talent in line
1: if I was there I feel like and any New York PR person was there and this guy was started hitting on the Louis Vuitton person they'd be like oh he knows her from a long time ago this is a joke (laughs) and then they would grab him and be like don't
2: fucking do this you have one
1: fucking job this guy's following you around this is going to be a big this is your big opening piece big Toronto food writer you fucking moron shut the fuck up for two days for two days Afterwards, you can drop your sushi in women's mouths. You can do whatever the fuck you want.
0: (laughs) Keep it together.
1: For two days. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the guy has lived his life and no one has told him not to do this or they have. Or he's just ignored them. And he's ignored them. And the problem is, is you get, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, but... You get a big major sushi chef and all the guy, typically it's guys, but, you know, even whatever, a mixed crowd in New York would mm-hmm. be like, oh, he's got so much spunk. What a funny, sh- what a funny chef. He's so yeah. charismatic.
0: There are, uh, he's surrounded by people who are enabling this type of behavior. And in a different era, no one would have looked twice at it. It wouldn't have even been included in the article and the mm-hmm. publicist would not have cared. But these publicists obviously don't understand the culture right now. Yeah where you can't get away with that crap anymore and you shouldn't be able to. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, no publicist I know would sit there and just giggle <laughs> while this is happening.
1: And be like, he's so charming.
0: Yeah. Be like, ah, and if they can't control him, they would not take that job.
1: How dumb. You have one job.
0: Yeah. Just keep this guy in line.
1: I, I don't mean to say that. I keep blaming the PR women. <laughs> I know. It, yeah. I
0: mean, it's obviously, this is the guy that has the problem. But
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Dan finds a way to blame the women. <laughs> <laughs>
0: how, how can we blame a woman for this? Dan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs>
1: would you have read and been interested in his apology if he apologized after this came out?
0: Of course, I would read it. What, sure.
1: Could he have done anything that could have won you back?
0: I don't know. Because it seems so... It's not like he said a stray remark. Yeah. It seemed like it was so a, ingrained a in its his habitual character. thing.
1: What if he was like, I didn't realize that I want to be a better person and I, not until seeing it reflected in this beautiful piece of journalism. Are you trying out to
0: be his new PR person? (laughs) Is this your application? By the way,
1: Dan at Eater, shoot me an email. I'm looking for a side hustle. I've
0: already written your apology. Don't worry. I've got some line to media people.
1: Thank you so much for listening to The Eater Upsell. My name is Daniel Janine. That is Amanda Clute. This is the Vox Media Podcast Network. Uh, if you enjoyed the program today, would you mind sending it on to a friend who you think will like it, who you think has a void in their podcast listening rotation that the Eater Upsell would slide into just perfectly? Send it to that person and uh, shoot us emails with anything, especially weird things you want us to talk about on the show at eater.com. and make sure you're subscribed and rated and... All that good stuff. We will see you next week with something totally new.